The stories in the It's Not Just a Bad Period series are difficult to listen to, and I want to keep it that way, because they aren't just stories, but the harrowing realities of each warrior that is bravely taking part. Although endometriosis was first identified over 160 years ago, substantial gaps in adequately addressing this disease remains. From research being severely underfunded to outdated medical procedures still being used, this disease is a beast to live with, but existing in the current medical system makes it exponentially worse. I wish I could say these circumstances only exist for a few unlucky warriors, but that's not true. This is the typical experience of an endometriosis warrior, and it's time the world hears it. The stories you are about to hear are the personal experiences of each individual, and the views expressed by the guests are their own. Please listen with discretion, as this series contains mature content that could possibly be triggering to some individuals. Mention of depression, suicidal ideation, medical trauma, sexual assault, disordered eating, and other sensitive topics may come up. And as always, this podcast is not intended to be taken as medical advice. Please refer to your doctor or therapist. Hi, Samantha. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Yay, I'm so glad you're here. Welcome to the Best Worst Club podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. I'm so glad we connected. And thank you so much for being patient and working with me. That was like literally one of my biggest fears about starting this podcast was just, you know, the unpredictability of living with a chronic illness and being able to keep up with it. But you were awesome and I just appreciate it. Not a problem. As an endo warrior myself, I 100% understand that things definitely come up in this real re- weird reality that we are in. That is for sure. Um, so do you, with that, do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself? Yeah, so I am Samantha and um, I was diagnosed with endometriosis, let's see, December. December of 2016 by my OBGYN, who sadly did ablation. Um, I started having pain ever since I was probably like 11 years old. I remember getting having my period and then it being very heavy and I was in like horrible, horrible, horrible pain. Um, I would miss so much school that it got to the point where like my school was trying to decide if they were going to kind of hold me back a couple of years because I just missed so much school. Um, luckily enough, through my mom fighting for me, I was not held back. But um, so that was kind of interesting. I started out like I'd go to my doctor's office and They did numerous of tests, never could find anything. Um, And I remember seeing my one doctor and she sent me to an OBGYN and they just told me that it was in my head, that like I was pill seeking and everything. And I remember like I would cry and cry and I'm like, I don't want your pills. Like they make me feel gross and disgusting. And at this time, like I said, like I was probably like 12 years old, 12 or 13. And they're like, well, all we can do is put you on birth control. Um, so that is when I first started um, my journey with birth control was when I was 12 years old, I was put on Depo, Prevera, the um, shot. Wow. And um, I still was having a lot of breakthrough bleeding. So then they doubled me up on, um, I was on the shot and then they also doubled me up on pills as well like the birth control pills uh yeah so finally like I was meeting with one doctor and they thought like at the time that like I someone brought up endometriosis at one point but then they're like oh no she's too young so (laughs) (laughs) um so then 
like I remember I'd go to the emergency rooms in the middle of the night with my mom and she would be crying and they would tell her that like I was making things up and like my mom would get so furious and be like my daughter is not making this up like she has been in her room crying and well um so sadly my mom passed away my senior year of high school from cancer so then my dad having to take the role of all this and not really knowing like wanting to get into like period things with me um the thing that i will remember the most that like i finally like i love my dad for is it was christmas eve 20 2011 sorry and i was having a horrible endo flare and i have a huge family and we always host um, Christmas at our house. And I was in the bathtub and I couldn't get out. And my sister was knocking on the door and she was like telling me I had to get out. And all of a sudden I hear my dad say, she can't get out right now. She's not feeling well, leave her alone. And so I got out finally. And then like, I just remember laying on my floor, like just, wondering like why me and um I just and that was like basically my life from when I was 12 until I was 20 years old like I said then I was diagnosed um by you know my OBGYN and he did ablation and about a month after surgery, I felt like I just was not right. Like, I still felt like I was in a lot of pain. I went back and saw him, and he's like, well, there's no way the endometriosis grew back that quickly. Oh. So he's like, that's not possible. Oh, my gosh. How old were you at this point? 20 years old. So I went home because he wanted um to just put me on um I was still on the depot at the time he wanted me to switch from the depot to go to the marina and like I was really not 100% sure about that um and so like I told him like I would I just wanted a couple of days to think well I remember going to google and just like typing in endometriosis and then like I went to Facebook and I typed in the same thing. And that is when I found um, a Facebook group called um, Endo Warriors. And I joined that group. And, like, I kind of, like, gave my, like, short story. And people are like, have you ever thought about seeing a specialist? And I'm like, what What does that mean? Yeah, like, what is that? What? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, is it, like, an OBGYN a specialist? And people were commenting left and right. And they're like, no, no, no. Like, it's not. And they're like, what state do you live in? And I'm like, Minnesota. And they're like, and so then a couple of people that were from Minnesota are like, go and see Dr. Hegard. He's wonderful. And so that is when I um, called Dr. Hegard. Um, luckily, at that time, I was able to get in relevantly quickly. Like, I would say, like, I think it maybe took me like a month. So not so bad. And I met with him and I like, I brought my photos in and right away he looked at the photos. He goes, I can see a lot of endometriosis left. Oh, wow. Had, he goes, had anyone mentioned a specialist to you like in all the years leading up to this? Any doctor, had you ever heard of an endo specialist in the medical realm? No, never. So it wasn't until the Facebook group the online community. Yes. Correct. It wasn't until like I joined that community that like I finally heard that there was such a thing. Right. Right. Okay. I just wanted to point that out. I just want to make that clear that, that the community is out here doing the real work. <laughs> exactly. And it, so I had surgery with Dr. Hegard for the first time in March of 2017 and he came out and he told me that he found a lot of endometriosis all over um he told me that he does not do staging um just because he thought within like what he's seen is that like when people get told they have stage one they think that like why am i in so much pain versus a stage four yeah. so 
Yeah, a lot. I've, I've found that a lot of the specialists seem to be phasing the stages out. Yeah, that's kind of the feeling I got because I asked him, like, what stage am I in? And he's like, I don't give out stages. Yeah. Um, and I think that's great, like, because of that exact reason. The pain correlation, you know, just really has nothing to do with what stage you're in. Exactly. And that's kind of how he explained it to me is he's like, I used to give it out. And he goes, I would have someone that is at a stage one in horrifying pain. And then I would have another patient at a stage four that doesn't have much pain at all. So therefore, he's like, I, he goes, you know, I just gave up. And I just tell them like where it is and what we're going to do to help prevent it from getting worse. Yeah, yeah. I think that's, especially because so much of our journey is so invalidating, especially with the pain part that then hearing, you know, like, oh, well, you're, you're quote unquote, only a stage one. It feels like another knife in your heart type of thing. When in reality, that's not at all what it actually means. Exactly. And I think like, that is like one thing like I can, like, I really enjoy about our community is that we're pushing that more and more is that your staging really does not matter. It, you could be stage one or stage four. And all that matters is that you're getting the help that you deserve. Exactly, exactly. But yeah, so I had surgery with him. He said that he found it um, in my bowels. Um, yeah on my bladder. And then it was also my, I had adhesions that had been tying my ovaries to my, or to my wall. Mm -hmm. And so he's like, we had a lot to clean up. Uh, but he was pretty, like, pretty confident that things should look forward. Like things should finally like settle down in my body. We would continue with, um, I was still on the depot. He's like, continue on the depot. Mind you, not that I've been on the depot for now, like, over 10 years. Wow. And so I had that, like I said, I had that surgery in March. Not even probably, like, three months later, like, I was still in horrifying pain. Like, I was, I got, like, a good maybe month and a half of no pain, and then all of a sudden it just came back like that. And so I met with him again. And he, he's like, I don't understand this. And so he's like, why don't we just take you off birth control and see if that helps? So I was off birth control, never helped. Um, so then he wanted to just put me on only the pill. So when I'm just the pill, it helped, helped lighten up my periods a little bit. But like still in horrifying pain. So we decided in April of 2018 to go back in again. And again, he found endometriosis, not exactly in the same places, but kind of like it's still on my bladder, still in my bowels and like a lot of adhesions. Um, so again, he like took care of what he could. And again, like kind of like the same with the last surgery, felt great for about a month and a half, two months, and I'm was still back to where I was. So I kept on meeting with him. Um, that is when he started pushing Orlissa on me. Mm. And I remember when I first saw the commercials of For Orlissa, I was like, yeah, like, we finally got a medication for endometriosis. Like, yes. Right. So, right. so excited. And then, like, I started doing more and more research into Orlissa. Like, I went on their page and read their fine print. Yeah. And I was stunned to read what I was reading, like, they stayed like on their little small print they stated that like i can't remember the exact wording but it's if basically if you are someone that's has struggled with suicidal ideation in the past like please do not take this medication it can make it worse and then like all the lists of like 
the possible risk of um, infertility, the possible risk of like bone loss and things like that. Like I went back to Dr. Hegard and I told him, I said, I'm so sorry. Like I can't take this. And that is when he told me, he's like, well, until you decide to take it, he goes, I don't know what else we can do. And I remember going into, um, my boyfriend was out in the waiting room at that time. And I remember going out in the waiting room and I started yelling. (laughs) Like I was just so mad that I was being denied help because I wasn't willing to take one medication. And is depression something that you, you don't have to answer this if you're not comfortable, but is depression something that you struggle with? Yes. So I have struggled with depression, um, a lot. And then also because of my endometriosis, I have also struggled with suicidal ideation, um, because of just the constant day-to-day living in pain has been a lot, especially when you're being told it's all in your head. You, you're making things up. You're just wanting pills and you know, deep in your heart, that something is wrong and no one is listening to you like that that brings down your mental health absolutely absolutely it seeps into everything oh it most definitely does like I started my bachelor's right outside of high school and I will now just be graduating um just be graduating here in two more weeks. So, I mean, it's taken me a really long time to even complete that because of endometriosis. Well, congratulations. Cause that's fucking amazing that you've powered through and you've stuck with it. Thank you. You're so welcome. But yeah, so, um, so that was what happened with Dr. Higard. Um, Doctor of your depression. Sorry to interrupt you. I'm sorry. What was that? Was your doctor aware of your depression? Had Was that something that he like knew about? Yes, he did. And because I brought that up to him about what I found on their website. And he told me, he's like, well, this is a medication that you can stop right away and it'll be out of your system right away. <laughs> and oh, they feel comfortable. Yeah, no, I. I know enough about medications to know that is not the case. <laughs> Especially with suicidal ideation or any kind of depressive thoughts like that. Like they certain, what are you going to do? Like go make yourself throw up and be like, oh, okay, they're gone. The thoughts are gone. I'm back. I'm safe now. Like, oh my God. And that, that was, uh, that was my experience too with my local gynecologist brought the same points like, Hey, look, I already struggle with this. This is already in my history. I don't feel comfortable with this and same situation. She was just like, well, I don't know what to do for you then. And it just blows my mind that any kind of medical person, professional who takes an oath to protect patients could say something like that. When a patient is saying, Hey, I struggle with these things and this medication is going to make them worse. We're talking about our well-being, like our lives being at risk and doctors basically saying, well, that's a risk I'm willing to take because I don't know what else to do with you. Well, exactly. And it just, I feel like gynecologists shouldn't be talking about mental health unless they fully understand it. Like, yes, stay in your lane. (laughs) Um, Good point. Like to me, like, so I'm going to school to be a counselor. I would, I mean, I guess I know a lot about endometriosis. I might be able to help someone out with endometriosis, but I would not be giving any kind of gynecological advice <laughs> right, right? as a counselor. Yeah. 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 There's a reason that at the beginning of every podcast episode, I have a disclaimer that says, this is not to be intended for medical advice. Please consult your doctor. Like, I am not a medical exactly like so I would always get like frustrated with him because I he would see me crying and he would feel bad but then he's still trying to push a medication onto me that could make my mental health get worse oh my god somebody make it make sense exactly it's like why 
why are we even willing to go down that path where you might be now dealing with me being suicidal or in, I hate to say it, but what if something were to happen? Right. And it's not even like any responsibility falls on them as a doctor. Exactly. I mean, I'm sure he'd be sad, but he'd be like, well, we don't know if there was a medication or not. Right. Absolutely. So I am a firm believer that like, I will always put this out here. Like whenever I see anyone talking about Orlissa online, like if anyone struggles with mental health, like please consult your psychiatrist before you go on this medication. Um. Because, I mean, even I was talking to my counselor at the time, like, telling him about the side effects and whether or not I, he thought I should go on it. And he's like, well, with your past history with suicidal ideation, he's like, I would prefer you not to. So, I mean, I was getting it even from my counselor not to go on this. Yeah, and I would definitely trust his advice on something like that over the gynecologist who can't even identify endometriosis (laughs) exactly and so anyways I'm going to pass like kind of fast forward past Laura Lissa but so then um he decided that now he wanted to try the um Mirena I decided to go with the Kylina one since um he thought it would be easier to place so I remember going into his office for that the very first time they were not able to get it. Oh. Um, I was screaming in pain. And he's, and I mean, this is like before, like, he gave me any pain medication. And like, I just told him, I'm like, I can't. And so he's like, okay, well, I'm going to give you some pain medication. He goes, come back and we'll try it again. And so... I took pain medication before I came in and then we were able to get it put in. I had that in for a little less than a year and I had to get it taken out because I felt like my insides were burning. Like I felt like someone was taking a torch and just like stabbing me and like burning me. And immediately when he took that out, like that burning sensation went away. Wow. So I don't know what what was going on with that medication that didn't like me, but but yeah, so that is what happened. Um so I he told me to go see another doctor, another um specialist in Minnesota, um, Dr. Palmer. And so I went to go see Dr. Palmer. And I kid you not, the first thing he says to me is he would like me to try Orlissa. Oh, my God. Ah, ah. <laughs> I remember just, like, looking at him with, like, this dumbfounded face. Like, does no one take notes as to why I said no, I was not going to take it? Like, just because we're talking about a year difference doesn't mean that, like, my views on this has changed. And actually, I've done more research during that time that has really made me to say no. Yeah, you would think something like that would be like, I don't know, like a big red in red on your file. Like, do not offer this because of serious reasons. Like, Exactly. Like, I don't understand. Like, please stop offering me this. And I kid you not that he was, again, the one that said also, he's like, well, you just had two surgeries. He's like, I don't think a third one would help. He goes, Orlissa is the thing that will help. And I told, I remember straight up asking him, I'm like, isn't Orlissa literally a Band-Aid to, it's, I said, it's not to cure endometriosis. It's so you can, like, kind of push off surgery. And his answer was, well, technically, he goes, yes, he goes, you can't be on it very long. So he goes, but like, at least during that time, you should be pain free. And I said, but you're not helping me solve the problem. I said, the endometriosis is still there. Right, right. Let's take this and it's like, supposedly you're pushing a pause button. But for what? To just be back in the same situation, what, six months later? Because if you're on it any longer than that, you can pretty much guarantee you're going to have osteoporosis. 
exactly and like I was already having problems with like my like bones and everything because of being on the Depo Provera shot for so long all right that like I could not be taking anything more that would progress that so he told me that there was nothing else that he could do for me either so I went back to Dr. Hegard and um so that is when he brought up to me about having um he's like well there is this thing called a presacral neurectomy he's he's like however he goes I have been trained on it he goes I have never done one oh god and I'm like oh gosh (laughs) right not very comforting i mean he was explaining to me like what it is and i'm like oh gosh (laughs) and he's like however he goes dr palmer um he does them and he's like if you're willing to be my first client he goes i could have dr palmer in with me while i do it and then um that way he can kind of guide me through and I'm like, so, so he gave me that as my first option. My second option was to go through and have a hysterectomy because he believes he's like, I know that that will not help your endometriosis, but he believes I have, I have adenomyosis. I'm probably pronouncing that cor- incorrectly. I, I say adenomyosis. I've heard other people say adenomyosis. I've heard like all kinds of different pronunciations. I don't know, but I have it too. So I know what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, so yeah, he's like, I am pretty sure that's also what you're suffering from based upon your symptoms of heavy bleeding. I would have like where it felt like my uterus is contracting. Right. Yes, Absolutely. So, um, he's like, those are your two options. He goes, I can do. And I remember getting in the car and I looked at my boyfriend and I cried so hard because I didn't know what to do because I didn't know if I really wanted to go with a surgery with a guy that's only never done it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big decision to make. Either one of those decisions is a huge huge decision to make yes and like the other sad part was is that like if anyone has gotten to know me they know like how big like kids are to me um and I mean if for anyone that's in this community when they're faced with that decision it's hard and like my heart breaks for everyone that has to go through this decision because it's just I feel like it's unfair yeah it absolutely is absolutely Because we're being told at such a young age that there's nothing else that they can do for us but take our uterus. And the sad part is, is that there's still a lot of us that are still in pain after that. Right. Right. Because a uterus is not a cure for, or a hysterectomy is not a cure for endometriosis. There isn't a cure currently. And the hysterectomy part comes really for endometriosis comes from the old outdated theory about retrograde menstruation, which that has been proven to not be true, which is why the birth control and Orlissa and all of those things happen is all of this outdated belief on endometriosis that needs to get pushed the fuck out of the medical system. Exactly. And so I went back with my discussion and like, I also felt bad because like, I felt like I was taking my boyfriend's right away too. Oh, I, it, yeah. So really bad. Yeah. So it's just like, I kept on like bouncing back and forth. Well, I remember taking about a week to discuss it with my boyfriend and my family. And I remember my dad saying something to me and he's like, well, why don't you get a hysterectomy? And I was kind of dumbfounded with his question because he knew like how much kids meant to me. Uh huh. And I'm like, dad, I said, it won't solve my problems. I said, it might solve like a portion, but I said, we don't know if it would solve everything else. I said, there's no cure for endometriosis. 
And he's like, I still think you should go forward with it. Well, um, I decided not to. I decided that I was going to go forward with the presacral neurectomy. So I had that scheduled. Um, I think my date was like March 18th of 2020. Or 2021, sorry. Um, and so that time came around. I went into surgery. Um, Dr. Palmer was there. Um, and this is kind of creepy, but I remember like when I was like, I don't know if you want to call it like in that sleeping state when they're doing the surgery, but like I remember like talking with my mom and like my mom like telling me it wasn't my time yet. And I didn't know what that meant. Well, when I got woken up, I looked and I had like three IVs in my hand. Well, two IVs in my hand and then one in my arm. And I, they were like shaking me to wake up. And the anesthesiologist told me, she's like, you scared me. Oh, God. And I'm like, what does that mean? Well, I come to find out that like my heart stopped twice during that surgery. Oh my God. So uh, my surgery was about six hours long. They told my boyfriend that it would probably be about two hours. So he's sitting there like not knowing what's going on for like four extra hours. Oh, what a nightmare. Oh my God. And so I was admitted into the hospital. Um, during that time, I also, um, they had to like give me some medication because I was freaking out because also during that time I found out that my dad was hospitalized um, oh. when I was in there. And so I was fighting the nurses trying to take out my IV and trying to go home. Oh. So, um, but yeah, so recovery, like I was lucky enough. Um, I was only hospitalized overnight and then they were able to get me stabilized and everything was fine. Um, they asked that I did stay. I, cause I live about two and a half hours away from Dr. Hegard. So they asked if I would stay in the area and I told him, I said, yeah, that's fine. So I just stayed, um, overnight in the hotel and then I just went home the, um, so I went home, home two days later and recovery was rough. Were they, they, they did the neurectomy. They did the pre-sacral neurectomy. Yes. And that is actually when I um, got to talk to Dr. Hegard a little bit further, that is actually when my heart started doing wonky things is right when he cut, was starting to cut that cord. Wow. So, um, so yeah, so I, the recovery was actually like, it was really weird. I remember waking up from surgery and almost being in like hardly no pain. Like granted, I know that they drug you up. But I like it almost felt like I there's like a relief that went over me. And like I was so positive. I'm like, yes, like I'm not gonna be in pain. And like recovery, like to me was a lot easier than with my first two surgeries. So I was like, okay, this is great. Well, then all of a sudden, like I started noticing that like my um bladder flares were getting really horrible. And I asked Dr. Hegard, because I didn't have um, my checkup with Emma for a month later. So I went and told him about it. And he told me, he's like, well, he goes, that can kind of be common in people that like, you can get rid of like one pain and then another one can get so much worse. Because he goes, your other pain could have been so much worse, but it was being masked by your endometriosis pain. And so he told me that like that he thought that was normal. Um, well, the pain just kept on getting worse and worse in my bladder. Like I would have frequency. Um, I was getting up at all hours of the night. I was having to wear a diaper to bed. Um, and it just it honestly like it felt like I was having a UTI. And so 
I went and like started like Googling things and that is um, where I came up with interstitial cystitis. Uh. And so there was a um, specialist that actually lived only about an hour um, north of me. So I went and saw him, told him my symptoms and he's like, yeah, that sounds like interstitial cystitis. He's like, usually for those, like what I like to do is hydrodistensions. Um, for anyone that doesn't know what hydrodistension is, it's basically where you like you fill your bladder up with water and then they hold it for I think it's like two to three minutes and then they like take the water out of you. Um, it's all during done during surgery. Um, they don't know why it works. But what? that's so strange. It is very strange. Like my doctor's like, we don't know they're the research out there shows that it works. We don't know why. Oh my god! <laughs> and I'm like, okay, <laughs> sounds good. Like anything to get like to help me. So I had my surgery for that right after I think it was like the fifth or sixth of July, and so and it worked for about three months. And he told me he's like it can last about anywhere from one month to like years um of course we're hoping i would be one of the people that would last for years but he's like you can do this it's safe to do it every six months oh wow and so i had the first one done and then i had my second one done in december and like so my first one like i said last a couple of months and then my second one lasted maybe a couple of weeks and so I met with him again at, um, at the beginning of this year. And I was telling him, I'm like, it's not working. And he's like, he goes, you have so much inflammation inside your bladder. He goes, I don't know if I'm the correct person to help you. Wow. Props to him for actually saying that. Like, thank you, doctor, for acknowledging that. Yes, he was definitely an amazing guy. Like, thank you for acknowledging that. But like, I kind of just had to like, kind of laugh inside my head like okay here we go again like doctor searching right right uh, yeah yeah <laughs> but um so he suggested that I go and see um someone at the U of M so University of Minnesota so and her name is Dr. Nakib and so I got in with her it took about two months to get in with her um, she wanted to do, I can't remember the exact name of the, um, surgery, but like basically where they take like four different types of drugs and they inject it into your bladder. Luckily, a doctor is she? She is a Euro, Euro gynecologist. Okay. So she also like understands endometriosis. She's not an endometriosis specialist, but she understands it um to a level where she said she could be a like a specialist she just she wants to deal with more of the bladder side of everything so um luckily you are put to sleep for that because let me tell you it is painful when you come out because they literally like they're like injecting things into your bladder wall oh. and, and my doctors figured out pretty quickly that like when I woke up I was like screaming in pain. So they learned pretty quickly that they, they did not give me enough drugs to help me out. But um, so I had that done. We didn't know if it would work or not. Um, just because this is something she is studying herself. Um, so she's like, some studies show it works. Some studies show it doesn't. So she was explaining to me before I went into surgery, she's like, if this doesn't work, she goes, there is a device called the inner stem. So it is basically just like a TENS unit, um, but it's placed into your back. And like what it does is it should like, it kind of like, I don't want to say zap, but it kind of does in a way zap your bladder. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've heard of those before. Yeah. Yeah, so um, she's like, it's just however for insurance-wise, like, we literally have to do everything possible before we go to that point. 
Ugh. Isn't that just lovely? Oh, God, I love insurance, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, the, um, it's at last for um, surgery where she injected things into my bladder. It did not work. Um, so we went in with the interstim. There is two phases that you have to do. The first phase is a trial phase. And then the second phase that you do is where you actually get it placed into your back. Um, so I did the first phase. I can't tell you, like, I cried tears of joy to, like, because literally all my pain went away. And, and that's including, like, my endometriosis pain. Oh, my goodness. I was, like, bawling, like, and you have to get it taken out. Usually it's about a week or two after you get your, um, it pl- the trial placed in. And, like, I begged my doctor. I'm, like, can I please have it in a week longer? Because there's going to be a week and a half time where I didn't have anything in. And, like, I was explaining to her, I'm, like, I'm in almost no pain. Like, I don't want to go back. And so she allowed me to have it in about a week longer. Um, so then I got the permanent place in June of um, earlier this year. So that has been working fine. I feel like I always like go back to this where like I have a few months and then like my body is just like, nope, like you're like you're going to be in pain. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh, that's so horrible. And so I just like am back to square one. Like, where I'm in pain, like, where I'm wearing a taper at night, what is humiliating on its own. But, um, it, so, yeah, that is kind of, like, my long journey. But, like, so I'm going to be having surgery again here with Dr. Nakib to see if a second round of that therapy where she injects the medication into my bladder will help. Otherwise, sadly, we have talked about that because she also saw what um, my doctor, uh, first doctor saw with my bladder is that I have a lot of inflammation. So she told me that if that does not work, there are, there is like this other drug that I can try. Otherwise, we are going to have to go forward probably with a bladder removal. Oh, wow. So I am crossing my fingers that this works. Um, but this just goes to show like endometriosis like has this way of where you can literally lose your organs and it right. is so devastating. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah, I definitely want that to sink in for a minute. Like, okay, how, what number surgery will this be for you? I have had in the, like, I'm going to say in the last two years alone, I've had over 10 surgeries. Oh my gosh, Samantha. So, um, it's really funny because every time I have to go in for, um, to have like the, pre-screening for I can't remember what it, like what you want to call it. I'm kind of losing my words but for surgery or whatever you're pre-op there you yeah. go uh-huh. and I always do that with my regular doctor and she's like you're having surgery again <laughs> like tell me I don't want to be here either I told her I'm like yeah and she's like how many is this Ugh. Like, I'd rather not count, actually. Yeah, it's like, at this point, I just say over 10. Like, I don't keep track anymore. Like, I feel bad for it. Like, I'm honestly surprised my insurance company hasn't just, like, cut me off. Like, nope. Oh, my God. But um, I do, one thing I do want to talk about for a second is for people, like, there has been a lot of, like, talk about, like, I've seen on a lot of Facebook groups about if you can get approved for disability for endometriosis. Uh-huh. I am one person that I can say you can. Really? I would love to talk more about that. It's a long process. Um, granted, I will say, like, I do have, like, 
on depression and anxiety. So I know that is technically in their like book of approved um, disabilities. Right. Because endometriosis itself is not an approved condition, at least not yet. Sadly, correct. And I feel like that is oh so wrong. Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. But um, basically, like what I can say that helped me is I had my doctor, Dr. Hegard and Dr. Nakib both write a letter and even my psychiatrist, but all three write a letter stating why I need to be on this because there's no way I was going to be able to work. Like there are days like I am fine, but then there's days where like, I'm sorry, you're going to see me in my bathtub for eight hours. Right. Yeah. So what helped me is I also advocated for myself. Um, I know every state can be different, but in Minnesota, you get this like really long packet and they ask you like, what is your daily life? Uh huh. And I just basically like, I let it all out there. I'm like, yeah, I said, I can be honest. I said, some days I'm not in pain, but I said the days that I am, I said, I am not moving for eight hours. And I said, there's nothing that anyone can do for me. I said, I have had umpteen surgeries to help with this. I said, this has caused me so much anxiety and depression also to the point where I feel so low about myself. And, um, so it did go through like an appeal process and that, that is long. Um, I think all in all, it took me a little over, I think it was like a year and a half to finally get approved. So the nice thing is, is that with that, you do get back pay. So, I mean, there is like, they at least recognize that like you're trying. Yeah. But like the one thing I would like to say for anyone that is trying, like, please don't stop. Like, I feel like the more and more they see patients with endometriosis or with these invisible illnesses apply, I feel like maybe one day we might get through their heads <laughs> that these things are very painful. And facilitating. Exactly. And like the thing that comes with pain a lot of the times is mental health mental illnesses as well yes yes and that that doesn't negate our pain but we aren't in pain because we're depressed we're depressed because we're in pain and no one is believing us and there's not much help out there and even the help that you can get there's no guarantee that it's gonna make your quality of life better Exactly. And so like I said, so for anyone that is listening, like, and you're feeling frustrated with like, you've gotten denied so many times, everything else, just keep applying and keep on it. Do not let them tell you no. Just keep pressing. And because I believe once you get so much documentation and everything, at some point they're going to have to finally give in to us because they're going to have to see that this is affecting more than one in 10 women. Yeah. So to me, just like continue trying is like what I like to preach. That's such a good point. Thank you so much for bringing that up. That's something that hasn't been addressed like at all yet on any of the episodes in the podcast. And I think that's, that's really huge. Um, I know, uh, you know, a lot of us, one of our biggest struggles is financial and what we're going to do for a job or some resemblance of a career. And that is so weighing literally, like economically wise, like how you're going to actually survive day to day, but it's also so wearing on your self-esteem and your image of yourself and the, dreams and hopes that you had for your future. And I think that it's really important that that gets talked about and that we deserve and we need sustainable income and that endometriosis should a thousand percent be recognized by disability. Exactly. And to me, it's mind 
battling as to why it's not being recognized. Why, I don't know how many more times we all have to go and scream until we finally get the recognition that we finally deserve. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're not going to start, stop screaming until we do. And I, I know we all know we have a long way to go. Sadly. Yes, we do. But I feel like we can, if we all gather together and all keep on lifting each other up and everything, I feel like at some point they're going to have to listen. I totally agree. Absolutely. I mean, would you say, I know for me, the time that I've been like actively involved in the endometriosis community, I've seen it grow like exponentially, like the content that is being created and the things that the campaigns and like what endometriosis uh, awareness month looks like now is like so much bigger, so much broader, so like has reached this amazing level of content creation from what I've seen. Like, what would you say about that? Oh, I most definitely agree. Like, I am so impressed. Like, for example, uh, Minnesota also has their own little endometriosis group. And we haven't had a walk since 2019 just because of COVID. But even like when I went to that walk, like to see how big it was, like that gave me chills. And then like I still see from like virtual side of it of like how many people are joining the group every day and how many people are posting and asking questions is growing. And also your state has its own like endometriosis. Is it involved with the state or is it like a grassroots organization? It's more like just a grassroots organization. Um, It was developed by three girls and then it kind of just like kind of blew up from there. That's so cool. Yeah, it's, it's really cool. And I am very impressed with the resources that they continue to provide. I know, I don't know if they continually still are doing this, but I know at one point, like they would have get togethers where we would make care packages for uh, the girls that are going through surgery. And then um, one of the hospitals would hand that out to them at their pre-op. Oh my God. I love that so much. Exactly. Cause it was kind of cool. Cause it's just like, then you got like a, I think it was had like fuzzy slippers and it had this like cool mug that said endo warrior. And then it also had like this cute little card that was written by an endo warrior themselves. Wow. That is incredible. Oh my gosh. That like brings tears to my eyes. I absolutely love that so much. Yeah. It's, it's very like, I've, I've been very impressed and I can't wait. I've um, actually ran into the creator of the group not that long ago. And we were talking because I asked her, I said, are we going to be having a walk anytime soon? And she's like, yeah, she goes, I'm really hoping that in 2023, we'll finally be able to have something in person again. Oh, how cool. So yeah, it's I really like I really enjoy it because we walk across the um, Stone Arch Bridge, what is in St. Paul, Minnesota. And we just like we have our signs and we're marching together. And it's just to get the word of endometriosis out. And I can't tell you like how many people like I remember when we did it in 2019, like there'd be people um, with their kids that were walking by and like they would stop and like read our signs. Oh, wow. So anything to get the word out, I think is great for the community. Absolutely. I totally agree. That is so cool. And that's, is something that just like astounds me about our community is how we're so eager and so ready. And there's so many of us that, you know, are out there like doing the work. Like it's just, it's really incredible. And I think that the compassion and the empathy that is in our community is, is really very special and it's such a beautiful thing i i say that our community is a lifeline like i truly feel like it has saved my life like more than once oh i 100 percent agree with that too is i i know i would not be here today i mean i would not have found dr hegard even though there's questionable things that he has said but i mean i still would not have found him if it wasn't for this community that's actually, 
I'm glad you brought that back up. I did want, can we circle back just for a second? Yeah, of um, course. Okay, cool. Thank you. Do how, what do you, what is your stance or how do you feel about how your, these were excision surgeries, correct? That you had for endometriosis. Correct. Yes. So how do you feel about those and like his level of skill? Do you think that, like, what, what's your opinion on that? I'm kind of so-so about it. Uh, the reason I am so-so about it is because I feel like I am not in as much pain as I was, let's say, 10 years ago when I was undiagnosed. However, like, I'm still in a decent amount of pain and coming to and reading about other uh, people that have had Dr. Hegar in the past and a lot of them are having to go elsewhere. I actually just connected with someone that went down um, to Atlanta to the um, Center of Endometriosis Care. And she had surgery there and they found a lot of missed endometriosis. Mm, wow. So this is where like I sometimes just like question like could that be why I'm still in pain? Is that like maybe he's missing something? Right, right. No, I totally get that. That's why I was very curious to, as to what your opinion was on that. I mean, all in all, like, he is a very great doctor. He does have, like, a lot of compassion. Um, he is one of the doctors that, like, to me has had the best bedside manners after surgery. It's just, like I said, like, I sometimes question if we could not be missing something. And I brought up to him, I met with him back in June and I brought up to him that I wanted to go down to Atlanta. And he thought he literally told me, he's like, I don't think I'm missing anything. So he goes, I don't know what else they could really find or do for you that I'm not doing. Oh. And that's where I kind of like got to the point where it's just like, I have to do what is best for me. Right. Absolutely. So I am actually in the process of filling out the packet on, um, for the center of endometriosis care. You are. Yeah. So I'm hoping that I will be able to get some help down there. Oh, I so hope you will too. I, I hate that this has been your journey and that you even have to you know, go through that. Like just the packet alone is so daunting and it, there's just so much and digging up all that you've been through again. Like it's, it's a lot. So give yourself grace go, going through that. Cause it took me, I don't know, several weeks to like even fill out the package just because it was so like emotionally daunting. Yeah. I got to the point where it's like my personal narrative and like I've been like rewriting that at least like five or six times so far. Yeah, that part's really hard. <laughs> and it's just like, I find myself crying and I'm like, nope, nope, can't do this. Yeah, yeah. It's, and put it in your own. Oh my God. Yeah, it's a lot. Just like doing this podcast is a lot. It's a lot to talk about. And I'm so grateful that there are warriors like yourself who are willing to come on and do this, like not only for you to be able to say like, hey, this is what I've been through. Like I have been through a lot and I want people to know it, but I also want people to know it because I care about our community and I care about people knowing about this disease. Like that is so admirable. And I just really appreciate you going and digging through your own trauma and your own hurt and all of that to be here for our community. Yes. And like, I really just want to give back for, to the people that have helped me too. like this community, we wouldn't be where we are if it wasn't for all of us and all of us pushing and continuing to push to get the word out because there are still a lot of people that are not getting the care that they deserve. And they're getting told, wrong things. I can't tell you how many times a day I will go on Facebook and someone will post and be like, well, my doctor told me my only option is a hysterectomy. So I guess I'm going with that. I'm, but I'm only 22 years old. Right. Right. And, and don't even fully understand that they could have a hysterectomy and still be left with all of the same symptoms and pain. Exactly. So I'm like, 
we'll put the brakes on for a second. Like, what are your symptoms? Just so you know, like hysterectomy is not a cure. Please go see a specialist. And then they will ask the same questions that I asked. What is a specialist? I thought I was seeing a specialist. And so then like I will point them to like resources like Nancy's Nook mm-hmm. and like other resources that are out there. Yeah, I know. And and that's the thing too that so many people don't understand is like you getting a diagnosis is literally only one small step. And just that step is so fucking difficult. The rest of it, it's like you think, okay, now I've got diagnosed a diagnosis. So like that's gonna give me something. Like that's gonna really push my you know, medical care forward. But then it's like, you find out what the medical care is. And it's just, you are stuck in this really horrible cycle of trying to wade out doctors that really shouldn't even be treating endometriosis. And you don't even know that yourself. Like it is, it's really, truly insane. The misinformation, the delays in diagnosis, like it's really crazy what we go through. It's, frustrating like I can't tell you like how angry and how many times I will literally like hit my head like on my hand every time I read that someone is being told these things and it's like please please like why are people or sorry why are doctors not studying this more you're going into gynecology Like, this should be one of the things that you guys study and study and study and study and not spend a week or two weeks on. It should be something that is such a, it's such a major issue in women and it's not being addressed. And it's like, why? Right. Yeah. I I like to say, I feel like we're living in a conspiracy, like against endo. Like, what? (laughs) What is this? (laughs) exactly it's like oh it's all I know is that like I will continue to do what I can and I want to thank you because I remember when I was like on Instagram and I just typed in endo that's all I typed in and like and that's how I came across your page and I've been following you for quite some time and the content that you post like, thank you, because you post such great content that will help so many people. Thank you so much. That bring that like touched me so much. I so 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 appreciate that. And like you said, it's all of us. It's all of our efforts. Like, I there are so many days where, you know, I feel like I don't have much to give, but I get on Instagram and I see a message from you or another warrior or a comment on my post, and I'm like this, like, this is, this gives me purpose. This makes me want to still be here when sometimes I don't want to be. And like, that's huge. And that's really what I mean when I talk about this community being a lifeline. And I want people to to know that we're here and we care. Yes. And you do a very great job. And I don't want, like, one other thing, like, I would love to talk or get posted about is like, don't ever apologize for not being able to do something especially when you're talking to other endo warriors because it's like we all understand like when you were um, emailing me and you're like I'm so sorry like I've been in pain or it's like don't apologize like I literally wanted to give you a hug and I'm like I understand (laughs) so Thank you. Like, I love you. I'm hugging you from afar. <laughs> we'll take this from, like, our computer screen to, like, a computer screen. I love, like, I'm giving you a hug. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Oh, it's so special. Like, it really is. Like, this is, like, one thing, like, I love about this community is I finally feel like I'm starting to get, like, friends that, like, understand what I'm going through. Like, my other friends would be like, oh, yeah, like, I understand, but I don't understand. Right. Yeah. It's like a very limited capacity for like understanding and even empathy. I feel like they're like, oh yeah, I'm so sorry. You're you're having a bad day. Okay. It's been three days now. Like uh, I'm over it. Aren't you better yet? Exactly. Like it took, I mean, I can't tell you like how many friendships I've lost because of this disease, but to be perfectly honest, like I look back at it and like, to me, they were not my 
they were not really my good friends because they would tell me like, how are you always in pain? That's not possible. Oh, and it's like, if you only knew. Right. Right. But yeah. So that's why like another reason that this community is so big is we can finally, like, we're all able to understand. Yes. Yes, exactly. And sometimes it's like, you don't even have to say very much to another endo warrior. And that's great part because you know someone a friend or a family member who doesn't have endo it's like you have to explain so much just to get them to even get to a basic understanding of it and with an endo friend you're like it's like hey it's a shitty day like I'm flaring and that's that's okay it's like okay enough said you're good understood exactly so yes I want to say to everyone that is listening like thank you like I made him not talk to you personally, but like, thank you for being here for the community and trying to pass along the message that we are trying to pass along. Yes, I absolutely love that. I think that is a beautiful, beautiful note, beautiful way to end this podcast episode. Awesome. Well, I want to thank you so much for letting me share my story and meeting with me. Of course, Samantha. Thank you. Thank you for trusting me with this. Like I said, for getting on here and digging it all, digging it all up. I so appreciate it. Thank you. I hope that you enjoy the rest of your evening. Thank you. I hope you do too. And I will definitely be talking with you on Instagram soon. Okay. Sounds good. All right. Bye, Samantha. Bye. Thanks. Thank you for tuning in to the Best Worst Club podcast. If you could do us the biggest favor and help us reach more Indo Warriors, please leave us a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you are listening. And take a selfie of you listening or a screenshot and share it on Instagram. I hope you'll join us next week, Indo Warrior.